The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. This morning's scripture is Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Again, that's Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25. And he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ben. Good morning, Park Church. It's good to see you all. My name is Gary. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, seeing Ben reminds me he's from Kansas. It's a, it's a big day. Uh, AFC Championship game. Any Kansas City Chiefs fans? Anybody? A couple? All right, see some shirts, right? Maybe some online. Uh, we have at least one Bills fan. It's the sound person. And so um, I'm, I'm not able to make any jokes about the Bills record in Super Bowls or anything like that because he will mute me. Um, and so uh, Bruce is up there running sound from Buffalo, upstate New York. Um, hey, it's, it's a big day for uh, a lot of more significant reasons. Uh, we have a really beautiful opportunity today to look at God's Word and look at what God teaches us about the gospel of the kingdom. As a church family, if you're new to Park, uh, we take time to work through books of the Bible typically. We take kind of breaks to do some different things in different seasons throughout the year. But kind of the majority of our Sundays throughout the year are working through kind of like uh, chapter by chapter books of the Bible. And we're in the Gospel of Matthew, have been for a couple years, will be for a few more, apparently, and uh, at the pace we're, we're rolling. Uh, but what we're trying to do this week and the next two weeks is back up a little bit and get a bigger picture of this mega theme, this sort of macro theme that covers not just the Gospel of Matthew. It does set the tone and the agenda for all of the Gospel of Matthew. It is the driving theme of the Gospel of Matthew, but it's also the driving theme for all of the scriptural narrative, and it's the theme of the Gospel of the Kingdom, the Kingdom of God. And so uh, this is a gospel that shapes who we are. It sort of propels us. It governs us. It guides us. It's the center of what uh, we are here to worship the king of this kingdom, to live in the light of his reign, and to hope in what he has promised to do uh, in this world. And so we're going to take a moment and pray that his Holy Spirit would actually help us to engage our hearts, to help us to understand the beauty of his kingdom, the glory of his kingdom, and what it means to live in it and participate in the mission of his kingdom as a church. And so let's pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us this morning. Would you join me as we pray? Jesus, we uh, are grateful. Uh, Grateful for what you've done to reconcile us to God through your death and resurrection. To be people that stand or sit in a room like this or around this city or around the nation as your people are gathered in homes and in worship spaces all around the world to know that God is with us, to know that Christ is in us, to know that your spirit guides us and leads us, to know that you love us and you're gracious and patient and kind, you're gentle and lowly towards us, and to know that you're building a kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail against your kingdom. 
No challenging circumstances or difficult year will thwart the purposes of your kingdom. And so, Holy Spirit, would you raise up within us a passion for Christ in the kingdom today? Would you revive us again like we sang? Would you fill each heart with your love? May you rekindle our souls with fire from above. That we as a church would be passionate, in love with Christ, treasuring Christ, and putting his kingdom first in all of our lives. Would you guide us and empower us for this beautiful mission you've given us in the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, The past year was uh, a year for me full of news, lots of news, and, and I think the same was true for you. It was Carl Barth who told young ministers that when you're preparing your messages, keep the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, but interpret the newspaper through the Bible. In other words, pay attention to what's happening in the world, but also keep your mind and your heart gripped around what God's doing in the world and interpret the events of the world through the lens of God's mission revealed in his revelation in his scripture. And this year for, for me was probably, I was more inundated by sort of the news of the world than I, I had ever been before. And so I feel like every day I was reading, you know, multiple news outlets. I'm not a total idiot. I'm pretty familiar with media bias. And so I kind of have my little routine, like, what does AP News say? What's NPR say? What's Wall Street Journal say? And if you want to get like an anxiety attack or kind of like get overwhelmed or angry, what's Fox News and CNN say? And like, all right, like, all right, we live in different worlds. There are different, totally different narratives uh, flying around right now. Uh, But you're kind of learning the news. And and this year had lots of news. And, And surely there was some good news. Uh, But there was a lot of bad news over the past year, a lot of sad news, a lot of fake news, a lot of challenging news, a lot of disruptive news. I mean, you think about the year started off with news about like wildfires in Australia, uh, Kobe Bryant passing and Gianna passing. And you're just like, just think about it. It's like you're watching these things, you're being affected by these things, thinking about people that are affected. Then you have the, the murder hornets. Remember that? You know, that felt like that was going to be a big deal. <laughs> Turned out not so much. Uh, murder hornets. And then COVID, right? The COVID news. And it's like, where, where, where are the cases going? When are they going to arrive in Colorado? And you're waiting for news. Then it's case loads and hospital capacities and ventilator numbers and, you know, mortality rates. This is news. And you're getting this news. And it's, and, and it's overwhelming. And you're kind of being stirred by it. And then there's the news of kind of racial injustice happening again and again, and then protests around that, riots around that, responses to those riots, different responses, clashes between different communities. Then you're seeing the news of wildfires around Colorado, the West Coast in Colorado. Some of you have friends and family that live or homes up in the mountains where you're paying attention to the news, where are the fires, where they're going. And it's overwhelming, the amount of hard and challenging news, the news about the election, and news about ballots, and news about court cases, and news about insurrection. You're just like, you're, you're just news, news, news. And so much of it is really overwhelming. So much so as, you know, a few months into COVID, uh, John Krasinski, uh, who, you know, we all know from The Office, Jim Halpert, uh, who also is in other things, right? You know, Jack Ryan. But to me, just a side note, whether he's like fighting off, you know, terrorism in Venezuela or he's hiding from monsters quietly, finding a quiet place or whatever it is, lip sync battles, he's always Jim Halpert, always. I just can't get away from it. I always just picture he's Jim. He, he'll never shed the character. But he had this thing called Some Good News. 
He just started like this little network of just trying to like share good news in the face of all the bad news because the bad news is overwhelming and there was so much of it in such a short time that you're just getting overwhelmed. And so uh, what he did, and I think it's like heartwarming and good, is share just good stories. Now I think that's a good thing. The world is both beautiful and broken. And if you're only paying attention to the brokenness, it can really crush you. And there are beautiful things happening all around us. So it's good to pay attention to both. But the sort of kind of Bad news and good news side by side but distinct is different than a kind of good news that can give you hope for the bad news. There's good news that can distract you from the bad news and kind of give you a little escape and a heartwarming kind of like uh, kind of alternative thing to think about. But then there's, there's a different kind of good news and it's the kind of good news that meets you in the bad news. And that's what Christianity is all about. Christianity is all about the good news. Not some good news, the good news. The word we use to say that is the gospel. It's the good news of what God is doing to enter into that brokenness and to make it all right. And it's the center of who we are as a church. It's the driving piece of our faith. Churches around the world preaching the good news, centering their ministries on the good news, trying to share and spread the good news. But the good news about what? What is the good news? And my, and my opinion is that for many in Christianity, especially in sort of American cultural Christianity, we have a very truncated, not necessarily untrue, but a very small view of what the gospel or what this good news actually is. And so what we're going to talk about today is just step back a little bit and say, what is this good news that we claim to celebrate and to center ourselves on? And why does it matter? And then we'll get into, for us as a church, some some big news for us as a church about how God's calling us to be people that continue to spread and share that good news in our city. So I want you to look in the Bible. Uh, we, we read from Matthew chapter 4. Uh, it is the first place in all of the New Testament where the word gospel shows up. Is Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. I want you to see it in the passage. We're going to unpack just three pieces from this passage that help us understand what this good news is. Look at Matthew 4, 23. It says, And he, speaking of Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. The first thing you want to see is the gospel is about a kingdom. The good news is about a kingdom. Uh, when, I, when I grew up in the church, I'm so thankful for the church I grew up in, that I became a Christian in junior high, was discipled in, learned so much. Uh, one of the things we, we learned there uh, was a method of sharing the gospel. And so if you grew up in like um, bible churches, uh, you'd have like, you know, evangelism classes. Well, we learned this technique called evangelism explosion. Doesn't that sound cool? Doesn't that make you want to like do it? Uh, evangelism explosion. And, uh, and a super 90s name, and it appropriate, it was 90s. Uh, but the, the technique, uh, the kind of method of sharing the good news was interesting, especially later in life, kind of reflecting on it as my understanding of the gospel continued, I think, to grow through reading scripture and seeing how the scripture talked about the gospel. I began to see some, some substantial weaknesses in this method. But here's basically how the method would go. Starts with two questions, right? So typically you're knocking on a door or, you know, going up to somebody or sitting on an airplane, something like this, uh, which is super awkward and weird in the first place and doesn't, you know, jive with people much anymore. It didn't really jive with people back then either, but the Holy Spirit do, does 
powerful things through weird stuff. Um, but you'd go up and you'd say, like, hey, you know, can I ask you a question? And, and the first question is something like, you know, if you were to die today, uh, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven when you die? Or would you say that's something you're still working on? You know, and the answer for most people, like 100% is hard to say 100%. And so most people are like, ah, I don't know, you know, I'm not really sure, and, you know, whatever. And we'll say, well, you know, let's say, were, let's say you were to die today, and, and you were to stand before God, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And that question is getting at basis language. What is the basis of your hope? What is the basis of your standing before God? Which I think is appropriate, because we believe that somebody is reconciled to God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and the basis is the work of Christ alone. And so it's, it's meaningful to kind of help people like, hey, it's not just what you do, it's not about how good you've been or bad you've been, it's about Jesus and his death and resurrection, his cross, it's about Jesus. But the problem with it isn't the basis concept, the problem is it frames the whole thing in the concept of the afterlife. It's all focused on what happens after death, whether or not you gain entry into heaven. And so the sort of entry point into the good news is good news about what could happen after you die. And the problem is the gospel is way bigger than what happens after you die. The gospel affects all of our life, today, here, now. And so if you grew up around maybe Campus Crusade or navigators, you know, you would have learned a different approach to sort of the God-man-Christ-faith, the, the bridge analogy, right? And the bridge analogy works something like this. God is holy and just and righteous and cannot tolerate sin in his presence. Humanity has sinned against God, sinned against his reign, and consequently is separated from his presence. All of this is true. So there's this big chasm. What's going to bridge the chasm between us and God? It's Christ. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's bridged the chasm in order to, through faith in Christ, reconcile us to God which is true and beautiful, and it's the heartbeat, it's the center. Don't hear me in any way kind of like undermining or poking at that. That's true. But it still frames the whole thing as personal relationship, which is real and beautiful. We are designed as human beings to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, to know him, to abide in his love, to rest in him, to let him guide us, teach us, grow us, comfort us, give us grace and forgiveness. We are designed to know him to have an intimate relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. It's beautiful. But the gospel is bigger than personal relationship. It's not less than that, but it is bigger than personal relationship. In the words of Jesus, it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's good news not merely about your relationship with God, but about a kingdom that God is building through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's news that changes every aspect of all of our lives, the way we think about relationships, the way we think about our work, the way we think about our neighbors, the way we think about justice, the way we think about sickness, the way we think about uh, all of our vocations, the way we think about families and tension and conflict and politics and the way we approach every aspect of our life. The good news of the kingdom changes everything. It's game-changing news that changed the trajectory of the world. And it's the good news. When it shows up here uh, in this passage, uh, it's the first time it's used in the New Testament, but it's not the first time that the word is used. In fact, the Old Testament has another word, basar, for the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, which is this idea of good news about a coming kingdom. And so if you go all the way back and understand the sort of broader picture of what, what is this kingdom, you begin from the Bible to get a kind of a taste of what the kingdom is. Kingdoms always involve at least three characteristics. A king, a people, and a realm. There's a king, reigns, a people, 
over whom the king reigns, under whom they live and abide. And there's a realm, a space, a place in which the kingdom exists. And that concept comes all the way back from the beginning of the whole biblical story, Genesis 1, where God creates a realm. He populates the realm with animals and plants and planets and all these kind of luminaries to fill the heavens and to fill the earth and fills all of it. And it creates human beings. And the whole thing is framed as, as a kingdom-building project. The king says, let there be, and there was. Let there be, and there was. Let there be, decree after decree after decree. And the kingdom obeys the decrees of the king. And when everything and everyone obeys, obeys the decrees of the king. It's really, really good. And the kingdom was awesome. It was flourishing. It was joy. It was love. It was peace. It was the kingdom of God. It was the reign of God. And he creates humanity to actually represent his reign on earth as his vice regents. These people that are called to represent, to walk in his love, to, to absorb and rest in his nearness and his grace and his power and to reflect him in the way we live and the way we multiply families and build societies and cities and the way we exercise dominion over all of the earth. And it was, it was beautiful. And the kingdom went awry when humanity decided to say no to the reign of the king. So the Bible calls it sin. And so we say, no, we're going to kind of try to do this our own way. The people reject the king, are exiled from the kingdom. And that's where the brokenness comes in. Death, pain, destruction, division, chaos, heartbreak, disease, injustice, abuse, emotional brokenness, all the brokenness that when you think about all the bad news out there, it's all a result of us turning from the reign of the king. So the good news about the kingdom is good news that God's coming into that brokenness to make it all right, to restore everything that's been broken. And this is good news for all of life and all of the world, but it certainly starts with God reconciling humanity to himself, forgiving us of our sin, cleansing us through his blood, filling us with his spirit, and then unleashing us in this world to be who we're designed to be, beautifully, fully, spectacularly human. Like it's a rehumanizing project that through God reconciling humanity to himself and calling us to participate in his kingdom, we get to do what human beings were designed to do, to live in this world, to love, to serve, to do good in all of our life, and all of our vocations to represent the glory of the king as people that walk with him and know his grace. This is the good news of the kingdom. So when Jesus comes on the scene, what he's saying is, I'm here to bring and to establish the kingdom of God. I'm here to make it all right again, to renew and restore everything that's been broken. And that includes individual lives. Look at the passage. Look at what it says next. Second characteristic of the kingdom is right here. Verse 23 says, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The, the word, we looked at this uh, when we covered this passage a couple years ago. The word for he healing is therapeuo, and it's bigger than sort of just physical healing. And the words for affliction and disease encompass like all kinds of material and emotional and spiritual brokenness. That the brokenness that's made its way into every kind of nook and cranny of our hearts and society and our families and our neighborhoods and our cities and the creation itself, brokenness has, has just flooded this place. And he's healing. And that's the second char characteristic of the kingdom is that the kingdom is a place where broken things can be transformed. Broken things can be restored. And that's good news right now for the world because there's so much that's broken. And we have the good news that broken things can be restored. Divided things can be reconciled. Fractured things can be redeemed. Dead things in the kingdom can be raised because the king himself conquered death 
and rose again on the third day, saying, I have the power to restore everything that's been broken, even death itself. And this is good news for our city. It's good news for you. It's good news for our neighbors. It's good news for all the city. And God's called us as a people to participate in the spreading of this news. Look at what the next verse says, verse 24. So his fame, as Jesus is coming, teaching everybody, the kingdom of God is here. It's here. The kingdom's come. Things can be restored. And people are turning to the king. The word that's used in the passage above is repenting. They're turning and believing that Jesus is the king. They're they're trusting in him. They're experiencing healing. And they just begin to share that news with all of their friends and neighbors. It says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him, who? The people who had experienced healing are bringing them everybody else. You gotta know Jesus. You gotta come to Jesus. Jesus, you're made to experience restoration, transformation, and hope in Jesus. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, and those oppressed by demons and epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. The image is that Jesus comes on the scene saying, I'm here to bring the kingdom, and I am the king. And people come to him, and they experience transformation, and healing, and reconciliation, and forgiveness, and hope, and shame is washed away, and guilt is washed away, and regrets are undone, and brokenness is healed. And and you begin to see throughout the whole story of Matthew the way he's going to show his power to restore everything that's been broken by sin. And people just start bringing their friends. Come to Jesus. You've got to know Jesus. You've got to know him. They start sharing the gospel. They start spreading the good news of the kingdom. And it brings transformation to Jerusalem, Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea. And it continues to spread and spread and spread. And so you have this global empire, or at least global to the world that they were aware of, the Roman Empire. And it's reigning. And there's this Caesar who reigns over all things. And there's this man from a podunk town called Nazareth who was showing love and teaching and doing miracles and making some pretty bold claims. And people began to see that some of the things that Jesus was saying were indicating that he had some sense that he was king. Little guy from a podunk town in Nazareth. So what does the emperor of Rome do if there's a spreading sense of this new person that thinks they're king? Well, you, you get rid of the threat. And so the Roman Empire did and the Jewish people did and And they terminated the threat. They crucified him on a cross. And yet, for 2,000 years, the news of that king, and not just his death, but his resurrection, has continued to spread. And it spread through trials and persecution, through challenges and difficulties, so that 2,000 years later, we read about the Roman Empire in our history books. But my guess is very few people in our church family know the name of the Caesar that was ruling over Judea and the known world in the first century. Like, who worships Tiberius? Who worships him? Who knows him? Nobody worships Tiberius. But today, right now, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people around the world, from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group, gather together to worship Jesus Christ as king. 
that have learned to set their hope not on the shakable kingdoms that we live in, not on the shakable things we can accumulate or achieve, but to set our hope in our life, center our hope in our life on his unshakable love and on his unshakable kingdom, a kingdom that transcends even death itself. And the sort of thrust of the Gospel of Matthew is that this news ought to so grip us that it ought to orient and shape and govern every aspect of our lives. So that Jesus will say, seek my kingdom first. Put it above everything. Live under my reign. Walk with me. Reflect my love. Do it to your enemies and your friends. Walk with me. Follow this new way. Follow the way of the king. And enjoy the power of his kingdom. A kingdom that will have no end. And we're called to participate, not just in enjoying being in the kingdom, but in seeing the news of the kingdom move forward. And so it's with that in mind that I want to share with you guys some exciting news about what we think God's been preparing us for and leading us into as a church family. And so we're going to show a, a video. It's about nine minutes long to share a little bit of what we feel like God's calling us to and how to participate in a gospel movement in the city of Denver. And then we'll take a moment to talk a little more about it and worship together. Hey, Park Church family. I'm standing here in the Asterisk Building in downtown Denver, home of Grace City Church, and I'm excited to share with you something that our leadership team feels like God has been preparing us for and something that he's leading us into for this next season in our mission as a church family. For the past several months, we've been in conversation with the leaders of Grace City Church, processing and praying together about how a partnership between our two churches could contribute to a gospel movement in the city of Denver. And so I'm excited to share with you that beginning this spring, Grace City Church will be merging into Park Church, and Park Church will become one church with two different congregations. That means we'll be one church family with a congregation that continues to meet at 37th and Federal, and another congregation that meets here downtown in the Asterisk Building at the corner of Broadway and Park Avenue. Obviously, this is a really big announcement. It's something we're excited about, but I want to share with you why we're excited and what it means for us as a church family. For the past several years, our leadership team has been processing and praying together about what it will look like to pursue the mission that God's given us, to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and the joy of all people in a city where people are desperate to hear and be transformed by the good news of Jesus. And as we've processed and prayed about that, our vision for our church is that we would be a church where we're not just making disciples, but we're multiplying communities of disciples, multiplying congregations of disciples and churches of disciples all around the Denver metro area so that people could hear about the good news of Jesus, about God's love for them in Christ, and be transformed by that love to reflect God's glory in all the areas where God calls them in the city. Our passion for Denver is that Denver would be filled up with the knowledge of the glory of God like the waters cover the sea. And so as we've been thinking about that vision, one of the ways that God's called us to participate in that is through the planting of new churches. And that's something that we've been passionate about and are continuing to be passionate about. But another way that God throughout history has catalyzed gospel movements is through partnerships between existing churches, where existing churches with a mission-oriented focus and motivation come together with the concept and the belief that we can do this mission better together. And so in that time, as we've processed and prayed about those things, we've also been developing a friendship 
with the leaders of Grace City Church. So Matt Hand, who's the lead pastor of Grace City Church, and their elders and deacons have been in conversation with our church leaders for quite some time. We're in a church planting network together, Acts 29. We also are all participants in the Redeemer City to City Church Planting Network. We're sharing in ministry and partnerships with different organizations that are doing gospel work throughout the city. And as we've developed that friendship, we've also seen this opportunity that God's put before us to develop a more formal partnership. Grace City Church has been a church in the Denver area for over 15 years. But about three years ago, they made a bold and faith-filled decision to move from Central Park, Denver, here to the heart of downtown, to the corner of Park Avenue and Broadway in this beautifully renovated space with a passion to make disciples and to bring the heart of Jesus to the heart of downtown where people live, work, and play. Hi, Park Church. My name is Matt Hand, pastor of Grace City Church here in downtown Denver. And just over the last many years of living and doing ministry around Denver, Our lives have intersected with the lives of many of you many different times in ministry, and we have become friends and fans of Park Church. We are really proud of what Park Church has done to represent Jesus Christ in Denver. So when the opportunity for this partnership came up, I could not be more thrilled for the opportunity that this presents to do ministry together with people that I already love and respect and enjoy just spending time with and investing in our community together with. This community that we're inviting some of you to come join us here downtown at the corner of Park Avenue and Broadway, it is ground zero for a lot of our city's homelessness problem, for a lot of addiction and mental health issues. We also have the Central Business District just to our south. We have the River North Arts Community just to our west, Coors Field, all the bars and the breweries and all that nightlife that many of you have come down and taken advantage of. There are thousands of apartments, thousands more apartments that are under construction that are mostly being filled by young people just within walking distance of here. And our vision is to bring the heart of Christ into the heart of the city and see God do a work of gospel renewal from the inside out. I'm excited to get on board and begin to meet a number of you that I have not yet had the opportunity to meet, to pray together, to strategize together, to serve together, and to see what the Lord wants to do through this partnership where we believe we'll be better together than we were apart. One of the reasons why we're excited about this partnership is because we have a shared theological vision for the city, but also because we feel like we can accomplish that vision better together. As one church and two congregations, we believe that we'll be better able to care for, to equip, and to empower people to make disciples and live on mission in both congregations. We feel like we'll better be able to reach the different demographics in the neighborhoods around downtown Denver. We feel like we'll be better able to develop and empower leaders to serve and to volunteer and to use their gifts in both congregations. And we feel like we'll have more capacity to reach more people in both congregations. And when we make kingdom-oriented sacrifices for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, he tends to grow all of us in our passion for him and in our heart to put his kingdom first in all of our lives. So I want to share some of the implications about what it will mean to be one church in two congregations. 
With both of our congregations, we will be sharing in our mission as a church to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and the joy of all people. And we'll also be sharing in a number of the different ministries and ways that we work to make disciples, equip disciples, and multiply disciples through both congregations. And that means some of our staff members will provide oversight over ministries in both congregations. In particular, Miguel Warren, who is our director of community, he oversees the gospel communities at Park Church right now. He'll continue to provide oversight over all of the gospel communities, but he'll also be working alongside Matt Hand to provide pastoral leadership and preaching for the downtown congregation. Hey family, man, I'm excited about Park Church doing ministry downtown. Man, because we get to see the kingdom of God expand. And not only do we get to see it, but we get to participate in it. Hey, I'm excited for about what this means for you and how you can join and pray with us as we move forward. Man, we're praying that a number of you will feel called to join in this mission downtown. And we know that some of you will feel called to stay and worship at the Highlands. Hey, whether you feel called to come or whether you feel called to stay, Man, I'm excited because I'm not leaving, but we get to stay together, join in this mission, and see it grow. Man, we get to multiply, we get to see it expand. Hey, here's the thing, this is a step of faith. It is gonna cost us something. But whatever God calls us to, it's worth it. And it's worth it because we're doing what he called us to do as one church in two congregations, making disciples, equipping leaders to make disciples for the glory of God and the joy of all people. So what's next for us in this process? Well, over the next several weeks, we'll be creating a number of different contexts where we can process together as a church family, where we can ask and answer questions that you may have, and where we can pray together as a church family that God would pour out grace on this new partnership. We know it's a big deal for our church family, and we're excited about what God's been doing in our church and through our church throughout our history. We're also excited about what's ahead. We're gonna keep doing what God's called us to do, to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and the joy of all people. We're gonna pray that God would do more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's, uh, it's exciting news, and I know it's big news, right? And so uh, big news like that changes people in different ways. So I'm going to like step back for a second, just for a minute, to try to lead through this kind of transition as a church family and just acknowledge that the big picture of what God's doing is really beautiful. Sometimes the, the questions about what does this mean about this thing or this thing that I care about are really important questions that people ask and different people are wired in different ways as they kind of like hear big news that might lead to change. And so uh, what I want to do just for a second is again just hit a couple of the, the highest questions of the why and the what might some of these implications be, but then invite you as a church to lean into a season of processing together, praying together, praying about how God might call you to participate, whether here in the Highlands in this congregation or participate downtown, uh, and we'll talk about that. At the biggest level, in a nutshell, what we're saying is that Grace City Church downtown, which is a part of our church planning network, a wonderful church of around 100 people or so, uh, will be merging into Park Church, and Park Church will become one church with two congregations. We're, we're trying to be careful even on the language. We're not saying two campuses, two locations. We're talking about two legitimate congregations where people are experiencing community, where they're growing, where there's pastors and preachers that are leading and guiding those particular congregations, but towards the same broad mission, with the same vision, and the same values. 
And so uh, kind of at the why of this, we've been in friends, friends with the leaders of Grace City for years now and have always admired the, the vision and the mission that God's given them in the heart of the city. Uh, as a church that moved to that, that kind of particular area uh, over the past year, about a few years ago, they made the decision. They moved down there a little over a year ago. And then right before COVID hit, just different things that happened. And as a church, just trying to care for and support and pray for them, but also been encouraged by them by their character, their resilience, their faith, their passion, their mission, their vision. And I've just been compelled by it. And so it was in August we began conversations with their leaders about how a partnership could help strengthen our churches, both churches, for a gospel movement in Denver. And those conversations lasted months where we had their elder team, their deacons, our elder team staff and leaders involved and came to the unanimous conclusion in December that we really do feel like we'll be able to accomplish the vision and the mission God's given us in Denver better together than we could apart. And part of that's because we actually feel like the harvest is plentiful downtown and the laborers are few. There are some wonderful churches doing wonderful work downtown, but not near enough to reach the people that are downtown and to engage in the ministry that we see God kind of doing and kind of opening up. And so for us, the opportunity to participate in that uh, as a church that has roughly 1,200 people on a Sunday pre-COVID, uh, what does it look like for us to continue to engage and actually re-engage the way we think about our missional heart and outreach here in this neighborhood and the other neighborhoods around the city, but also to give attention to and to send people who feel called to go downtown to continue the mission downtown alongside those who have been members and living on mission in downtown through Grace City. And so it's exciting for us. We feel like we'll be able to do this better together, but it does lead to some questions. Um, one of the questions is, is this a good time? Right? Like you could, if you're like mapping this out, you could pick better times to do something like this, right? Like a really challenging season for the world, uh, a hard season for leadership through uh, church and church communities. A number of you haven't even been here to worship in over 10 months uh, because of different restrictions that you have or different things with our kids' ministry. And it's like, well, why aren't we focusing our energy on just getting the church back together? And we are. We're giving a lot of energy to that and are excited about that. But it's often through challenging times that God does beautiful and spectacular things to magnify his power and our weakness. In fact, in the early church, the church was exploding in the midst of persecution, challenge, division, people wrestling through how the reign of God and the grace of God affected different people groups and working through a lot of the same issues that we are trying to navigate still today. It's through those challenges that God says, I'm building my church and not even the gates of hell can prevail against what I'm doing. And so for us, the thought of participating because of the abundance of the harvest, and what I mean is just the, the need and the opportunity that we have to participate in what God's doing downtown. We felt unanimous excitement as a team, as a leadership team, that God's calling us into this next season. And, and we're excited about what that means. The question of like, what does it mean for you in particular uh, is another good question. We're going to take a lot of time over the next weeks to process and pray about this. Uh, like I said, we're praying that 100 to 200 people would feel called to go downtown, to worship downtown. Uh, but it's not like, hey, if you want to like do something meaningful for the kingdom, go downtown. We're actually praying that this season will be a season for us to re-engage again our missional heart wherever God calls us to go. And so we don't think it's like a spiritually superior thing to feel called downtown. We're excited about what God's doing right here, right now. And so I mentioned uh, in the video, Miguel Warren, one of the big questions that's come up, what does that mean about Miguel's presence here? Miguel is overseeing all of our gospel communities and he'll continue to do that. 
He'll oversee our gospel communities, equipping and investing in our gospel community leaders. But he's also pastorally present here. He's a preacher here, and his preaching voice and shepherding voice has been shaping this congregation, and we don't want that to stop. And so a lot of the way we've even structured some of that is so that we can continue to share in sort of shepherding leadership in ways in both congregations. And so Miguel will continue to preach periodically, roughly the same amount he has in the past here in this congregation. And the way we're doing that is through a model that we've seen work really well in other churches in similar cities where we'll, for most Sundays throughout the year, offset our preaching where we'll be covering the same series downtown a week after it's covered up here. And so that there are opportunities, for example, for Miguel to preach up here one week and also preach the same message downtown, uh, where same for me and other preachers here that we could preach here. I'll be primarily leading and preaching and shepherding here along with some of our other leaders, but still have a chance to participate in what's happening downtown so that we can really lean into both the particular needs of these different communities, but also maintain a sense of unity and partnership. We'll share in the equipping things we do. Our youth ministry will be shared together. And we'll talk a lot more about that in the coming weeks. And so I get that it raises questions for you. So what we've done is we've created a website that has that video, a longer like 23-minute Q&A podcast, a list of like 20-something questions, an opportunity to kind of know what the coming, the next events are. So it's parkchurch.org forward slash downtown. And you can get a lot of information right there. But next Sunday, we're having a family meeting on Sunday night at 6.30 to process together uh, what this will mean for us as a church family. I'm looking around real quick uh, for staff members. Did I say that time wrong? Is it not 6.30? Oh, well, it's on the website. I feel like I just blanked on the time. I'm like second guessing my time. But we'll share uh, a kind of broader vision and give you room to ask questions. So you can hop on that website today. You can look at some of the questions, engage with some of those. And if you have additional questions, ask those. We want to shepherd well through this transition. And we know that this will kind of bring up different questions for different ones of you. So I'm going to walk through those as best we can. But what we're asking is that you pray as a church. Pray that God, through our church family, would give us sacrificial, kingdom-oriented hearts that are passionate about the good news of Jesus and the privilege we have to participate in what God's doing in the world. But that kind of like broader vision for what's happening in the church is going to have to be generated from individual hearts that actually want to put God's kingdom first in our lives. And so as we wrap up this morning, what I want all of us to ask for is today, what does it look like today to put God's kingdom first in your life today? Instead of spinning your wheels and spending your energy and all of your agency and opportunities trying to kind of like accumulate or accrue a better lifestyle in a kingdom that's shakable, and things that will be corrupted or are corruptible, what does it look like to put our heart and our hope in incorruptible riches and to put the kingdom of God first and trusting to God all of our lives as we seek him above all else? And so we're going to take a moment and pray and reflect on that together, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's table together. Um, Jesus, would you right now open up in all of us faith, renewed faith, to put your kingdom first in our life, that you'd help us to believe the good news that you are the king of the world and you've come to this world, you laid down your life and you rose again to redeem, to reconcile and restore everything that's been broken by sin. And so would you awaken us to the power of your love and would your love compel us like Chris preached last week, would it compel us to lay down our lives for the sake of Jesus and the gospel and all the callings you give us and all the areas of life with our families and our vocations and our neighborhoods and our workplaces, Would you unleash us as people that walk in step with your spirit, fill us up with all the fullness of God, 
to be light in this city and to bring the good news of Jesus to a world that's desperate to hear. In Christ's name we pray, amen.